beloved, you are now tuned in to Three Black Men, a podcast by three black men where we talk about theology, culture, and the world around us. The following content may not be suitable if you ain't real enough. Listener discretion is advised because real recognize real. Here's the hope when we look familiar. Welcome back to the podcast. My name is Robert. I'm Sam. And I'm Trey. Hey, we're the three black men back from hiatus uh, for the rest of the season on liberation. And um, how was your break, everybody? uh a little busy a lot busy uh i mean mostly like personal stuff uh with family and just you know um but yeah um uh, it was cool how was y'all's <laughs> it was at once rejuvenating and exhausting rejuvenating yeah. and I, I got to take my yeah. mind off of this and dedicate it to some other things but some of the other things was pretty big you know i'm wrapping up the manuscript process and this book situation and, and barreling towards bringing this thing into the world which is exciting um, but also taxing in a different sort of way you know yeah yeah um i it has been a stressful two months um and uh moving across the country and etc cetera, etc cetera. but i'm here we're here yes so, <laughs> yeah yeah hallelujah yeah um so the the topic on the table, especially in light of liberation, is our current relationship to the church, capital C church. Um, yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> I got plenty of thoughts, but initial <laughs> thoughts on your your relationship currently with church spaces, spiritual spaces. If if this was one of them um, Facebook statuses, like you know, you 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 get to put whether you single in a relationship married whatever like my relationship with the church is it's complicated in a way that I think that all of us can relate to but it, it's complicated in different ways for each of us uh, me which I'll go ahead and name at the top like I am not only a committed churchman but I work in the church full-time as my vocational ministry at the same time that I understand a whole lot of tensions and apprehensions and things that exist between people who've had these relationships, various relationships with the church and, and where we stand right now in light of all of the history and context of the church, you know? Yeah. Um, so my relationship with the church, Big C, is, uh, I would say, likewise, uh, complicated. Um some might say I really don't care what some might say, but some might say probably none existed because I'm not currently like in like a local congregation. Um, but I love the idea of church, right? Like I love the com the idea of the community, um, of people, um, that you can gather with and celebrate with and grow in life with, um, tangibly breaking bread with people, um. I like the idea of that. I love that. I would love for my kids to grow up in that. Um, but I think the reality of like where our, where we live is, is that it's difficult. Um, there aren't many people that look like us. Uh, there aren't. And, and, and that matters because representation matters. There aren't, there aren't many um, churches that would believe the things that we believe a lot of them believe um some very damaging and hateful things and um one of the things if i'm gonna indoctrinate my kids with anything it won't be that uh <laughs> it won't be that um i desire to to leave a legacy of love so um it's definitely very complicated um yeah <laughs> yeah i i would say for me it's not complicated on my end 
the church has been complicated towards me. So um, for there to be a complication, there's usually like this gross misunderstanding of expectations. The idea of the church is amazing. I, you know, since I became a Christian, love being in the household of God in the physical building with the saints. I love most aspects of a church service. Um, um, not the long preaching. Baby, get me out. Um, I'm sorry. I used to be a long preacher. Now get me out of here. Um, why are we here <laughs> this long? Um, but I would say it's the praxis of the church, uh, that has made my relationship to it tenuous, right? And the outworking of many church organizations, functions, we can see it globally and historically are toxic. And it almost doesn't matter which flavor you pick, right? So the gag is, you know, I left thinking if I left white evangelicalism <laughs> that you could just hop into a new church and it would be great. The lie detector revealed that that's a lie. <laughs> um, and so it's almost you have to, for me, being in certain spiritual spaces, I have to pick which part of myself is not taken care of or marginalized, right? So if I'm in an all-Black space, at least I have a shared narrative. Yo, I'm Black. Oh, I'm not going to hear, hopefully. Uh any microaggressions, no one's going to ask me if I sing or dance, those kind of, those type of things. Um, but, um, but there's, you know, being disabled makes it complicated too, right? And so all that to say is I love the idea of the church. Um, I think I always will. And there's something that is special that the church can provide does it provide that is the question for me, so. And I think that that's a very real thing to wrestle with, right? Um, as somebody who spends a whole lot of time overthinking everything when it comes to matters of, of theologizing uh, or matters of theology, whatever have you, the concept of the church eschatologically, right? When we look at the last things and as it's laid out in the Bible, a lot of people believe that the church is going through a period of purification in which Jesus then comes back for the remnant of that church. And if we look at it through that lens, then we have to accept the reality that there has never been a perfect church, right? Like the church is in effect an ideal to which we are consistently striving toward that reality has been reflected in some of the terminology, right? Like the Reformation was originally not supposed to be a schism. <laughs> what the reformers wanted to do was bring the church to her truest self. When that was not welcomed, it became a schism. But throughout history, many people have acknowledged that, no, we are not who we are supposed to be. Um, and there's always this protectionist bent where some people receive that as an attack and people who are trying to call the church to something higher are pushed out and either forced to develop something new or leave it behind. But I don't think there's anything inherently bad about saying like the, the church can be something beautiful. Is it? And asking that question and wrestling with that, I, I think is part of what the church ought to be doing on a consistent basis, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, and I know you didn't mean it this way because I know your heart. When I hear there's no perfect church, the hackles on the back of my neck. <laughs> because yeah. I'm like, yeah. what do you mean yeah. by that? Because yeah. I, too often, I've heard that from slave apologists. Mm -hmm. I've heard that from, yeah. you know, like who among us hasn't enslaved people, right? Who, right, 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 right. Church, you know, church got controversy after controversy. Like, we're all sinners in God's yeah. precious hands. No, baby, is a difference between there's no perfect yeah. church and this is a this is a den of iniquity, right? Yeah. And yes, just yeah. like those two things. I think parsing out 
the harm that has been compounded by many mm-hmm. churches, um, even unwittingly. And I would, to give benefit of the doubt to people, I don't even know. I don't normally do this. But I think a lot of spiritual, even abuse that happens in many churches, it is it is not knowing. You know, people don't do it. Uh, people don't set out mm-hmm. to be that way, right? Yeah. Um, but many do too. So, you know, but that harm is still the same, right? So think that. I um so I've been listening to uh, again um The Fire Next Time by James Baldwin. And it's like the 25th edition version, and it has the letter from his uncle James written to him. Um, and one of the things that he says in there is that, you know, you have to love these people because many of them are they bear a history that they don't understand um and just sort of kind of to what you were saying rob like not to necessarily give a whole bunch of people the benefit of the doubt that we wouldn't necessarily do but like that's one of the things that i've like i'm trying to internalize because i don't want to become what i hate not I don't want to become what I don't like. I don't want to become what I, I discourage, right? Which is someone hateful um, in the name of disagreement. Uh, and so like, even that has kind of been like a strain with my relationship with the church, because I know there's not going to be a place where we agree everything wholehearted, wholeheartedly, right? But like, there are certain things that I'm like, I don't want, I don't even want, I don't even want to hear you say like uh, jokes about, people not working or um just anything that would target a specific marginalized group like I, those jokes those uh comments like i those are unnecessary and those are things that i would speak up on uh, and have spoken up on before so like um i think that adds an element of strain to my relationship with the church um, just because there are so many different Christianities, there are so many different um, ideologies that just honestly really make me, I'm uncomfortable with the fact that people are so comfortable, like holding these up, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah and I, I think like <clears throat> people generally go to, a church space seeking something right like they are seeking that familial connection that is usually espoused from the pulpit of hey we're all a family here we're children of god right we are etc and so that that is attractive especially to those who have been broken in their family systems in some way and i want to put that here because there is a rising number of people who heard that message of family or who wanted to learn about God or were feeling this this spiritual awakening. And where all those intersect um, are just regular human people who can't really steward those well, right? Like the best pastor, how do you create family from strangers, right? Like how how do you make that connection? How do you steward what people's expectations of family are who have been broken, right? So even if it's an innocent pastor, like Trey's like, hey, we're family here. Mm-hmm. So I'm coming to the table. Um, and if I have a deadbeat dad and you, I'm looking to you now to fill that role for me. You're like, hey, play out it. <laughs> I didn't mean like that, right? And so people are coming seeking something. And I think there's a, a rise of people who have been singed uh, maybe from undue expectations or expectations that someone maybe said from a pulpit that they really couldn't back up. So where the collision of those two things uh, makes it very dicey. Yeah, I think a lot of the problems the way that people feel about the church and it's it's not an imagined thing it's that after centuries and centuries of the church being central to so much of western society right of the church basically being an architect of what we now recognize as western civilization right um 
our current understandings of marriage have been shaped, not necessarily by the Bible as much as they have been by the church. Our current understandings of the ways that we spread what is known as, as civilization and or democracy has largely been at the behest of the church. The church has been as much as as much of an enterprise or a steward of culture as it has been a family or anything other things that we typically think of it as when we read the Bible, right? And not naming those realities has led to a confusion of mission and expectations um, from an organizational standpoint and then from an individual standpoint as well, right? So when it comes time to Oh, the church being this familiar relation, which is a large part of what we see in the genesis of this thing that we recognize as the church in the book of Acts. A lot of that's contorted by the historical reality of what the church has been. And we profess to being one thing while practicing what we've inherited. Yeah. And that's yeah. a pretty impossible place to operate with integrity right? When those are two very different things. And I think that that as much as anything defines the tension that, that I, the, the tenuous relationship that I have with this capital C church, because like you said, I can be as innocent as I want to be and have the purest of intentions. But when I feel as though I'm called to perform a function or keep uh, this, this situation rolling, it's a matter of whether or not you get caught up in the machinations of something that, wait a second, is this really what we've been called to do? Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about, you know, you hit a little bit on the function and the mission of the church, right? And at different times, we have all experienced that in different ways. Um, because I think the function and mission are stated differently in different spaces. I think if we're looking at this large swath of the mission of the church, I think sometimes it has been communicated to me that this is a place of healing for sinners, right? This is a place where the lost can come in and be comfortable. Now think about if a lot of church spaces even does that mission well, dude, like sinners yeah. feel comfortable here and let's, <laughs> no. And then the other mission that I've heard stated really expressly uh, is that is the church's mission to um, go out and make disciples of all the nations, really proselytizing, really doing those things. And then the storehouse that they can come into is this church building. Um, so almost like you're just gathering those fish, bringing them on in, putting them in the bucket, and the bucket is a church. Um, some would argue that you're not putting them in the bucket, you're putting them in the fish fryer. But... <laughs> But I, well. <laughs> I, I think the church being the space that is comfortable for sinners, I think is a beautiful mission. Uh, I think there's a beauty in that where those who seek to be redeemed, who seek to explore this relationship with God together, there is a beauty in that, right? And if it were merely that, I think, and done well, hey, we're cooking with gas. We cooking with gas. I like that. I think this is a dope place for us to take a quick break, uh, reflect on some of these things. We're going to carry on this conversation on the other side of this right here. Before Sam, Rob, and myself were podcast co-hosts, we were friends. This podcast grew out of a friendship. And honestly, it's grown into something more of a podcast. It's now a community. You can take part in that community at patreon.com slash three black men all the way spelled out. And in that community, you'll get early access to episodes, bonus content like writings, videos, even some live conversations that you can take part in. In the event that you'd like to support us but aren't ready to commit to Patreon yet, you can submit a one-time gift via PayPal, where you'll find us at 3blackmenpodcast at gmail.com. However you choose to support, we're thankful that you did. Let's get back to the show. Ooh, I'm feeling that, man. We, we talking some real stuff here. And I like this idea of the church being called to be a place where sinners can come and feel 
comfortable, somebody's going to hear that and be like, oh, you shouldn't be comfortable in your sin or whatever. But you also mentioned the prospect of or of of redemption, like the, the church being the place where sinners know that they can go for their redemption, right? Um, Sam, man, how how we feeling about this this idea? Yeah, so I think too, um, like one of the things that also kind of just gets under my skin is like the church's propensity to jump and make everything spiritual automatically, uh, and it's just like. Um, I think there are many churches, whether they be denominations or whatever, that have the ability to, I want to say, cover communities um, to really affect, like, physically areas, right? You can really not just feed the souls of people, but you can actually feed people. Um, uh, so when I was, when we were building our house, we were staying in Jacksonville with my father-in-law and Jacksonville has a lot of big churches, but they, but like, I guess because of the pandemic, like there's so many big churches, a lot of people weren't going to churches, going to churches. And some of these churches had like schools built attached to them, like separate two-story buildings, huge buildings attached to them. And now they're just empty. Uh, it's basically just like storage space, but like, it's also one of those things where bro, like the homeless community is huge. And you have an entire building is probably like 3,500 square feet, 5,000 square feet that you can like easily like put some showers in there and some bedding in it. You know what I'm saying? Like, and you can really um, do the work of Christ right outside of saying sinners are welcome. Right. You can you can feed people. You can like you can help get help show them and realize their humanity their dignity right in so many different ways you can literally lift people up uh in so many ways and that's one of those um that's another one of those things where it's just uh my relationship is just kind of rocky because i've seen so many different churches uh redo the stage area of their church so many different times and it just seems like with they just keep changing with the times the screens get bigger the floor gets shinier <laughs> the musicians get better and like you know what i'm saying and like you know i somebody needs that right praise god you know that has its space but like what are you doing for those marginalized people around you okay so you maybe you can't say black lives matter but what can you do for that i'm sure you're near <laughs> i'm sure you're you're near um a marginalized community because that's typically where property is typically cheaper and you see those mega churches growing so like what are you doing to like pour into that community besides saying hey here's some hot dogs and backpacks come get saved um yeah yeah i like that and when you say oh i'm sure you're near a marginalized community i think that one of the things that the church has to constantly be evaluating is who are the marginalized among us right yes. so i know that i've i've been um asked to speak at churches in the midwest where there just isn't a large black population and they do the most to try to like overcome that by establishing relationships even though i've seen and heard churches traveling hundreds and thousands of miles to establish those relationships and that's good and everything but there's somebody marginalized right there and even if they don't have black skin right whether it be an immigrant community whether there be disabled yes. people among you yes the church's yes. job is to find out who among us has been kept from the the fullness of dignity and being in our very midst and how do we best serve those people and it, it doesn't need to be this performative act of of pro-blackness or whatever have you no you need to be up now if you do have large black communities then by all means get busy getting busy in Absolutely. that regard but, but you do what be, you can for the yeah. people around you yeah and we we got to be faithful in our context and i think that a lot of the problem like contemporarily speaking within the past five decades or so one of the problems the church is facing or confronting is striving for the wrong types of relevance um, we want to be culturally relevant as opposed to socially relevant. And, and what I mean there is like there are people who look at they measure their success by how many butts they could put in the seat in the sanctuary, as opposed to how can we serve our best serve our community? And you may never be able to measure that in the best way other than knowing like, no, I, I did the work. I've been out here, you know. Yeah, earlier 
you said, you know, this, this joke about comforting people, making people feel comfortable in their sin. And what's funny about that is uh, whenever I've uh, been enamored in sin, I didn't need anyone to make me comfortable or uncomfortable. I was going to, I was going to do that anyway. Um, so like, I think there's no way to be honest, to, to make someone comfortable in their sin. That's the path they've already committed to. Um, unless you're aiding and abetting, you know, crimes, and then that's a whole different (laughs) matter. Um, but the other thing I was thinking is like this idea of centering the needs of the marginalized, I I believe is should be one of the main missions of the church because how else are, how else are you going to preach the gospel? Yes. And I think the gospel is this tailor-made message and in ways of being and practices that help people um understand their relationship to God and what God's power is available to do in the life of the marginalized, right? And so without you know, without really concentrating on that, I think you, you're automatically failing um, because you don't know the needs of the community. Um, and if you don't know, you are tailored making everything you do to the highest bidder. You are. If yes. you're not concentrating on the disabled, you are actively practicing ableism. It's, I mean, it's impossible not to do, right? Like in the same yeah. way that if you're like, well, we're not misogynist, we just don't up, uplift women. Uh, okay. <laughs> then the misogyny is in the building. Like it's in yeah. the room, right? Even accidentally. Um, that's a sin of omission. Like you're active. You are compounding misogyny even accidentally. Yeah. And I think it's important to name that is not only because as we have these conversations, there's always the, the there's uh a really corny demon on my shoulder whispering all of, all of the things that uh, an observer might push back. Well, not an observer, a hater, right? I need to be specific right here. And there's this idea like, oh, you guys sound like Marxists. No, actually, we sound like people who've read the Bible. And that the genesis of the church was literally us coming up off of what we have so that we might serve people who have need. Like that is the actual birth of the church that we that we now celebrate. The day of Pentecost and the communities that were formed after that were about addressing the needs of the people around us. That that is what we are called to do. So as you were saying, yes, that that should be a main mission of the church. And the problem mm-hmm. comes with when you say something like that plainly, and people act as though you are somehow apostate or making things up or you, you're being overcome by the culture like no that that's not it and it's not just a, a new testament reality you listen to the prophets of the hebrew bible and they say things like no th- this is not the worship that i want this, this is loud and claiming symbols what i want is justice I, I want right relationship and so like you said if if we're not focusing on the needs of the disabled then we are by default ableist if we're not working to combat the the conditions that the women among us face or the black people or the indigenous people or the whoever people or or even the queer people are facing among us if we're not willing to address the barriers that are standing between them and the fullness of life that the most privileged person among us enjoys then we're actually ignoring not only our call, but an essential part of the gospel, because the thing standing between them and wholeness, like whatever that thing, that that is what sin is. That's the essence of sin. Right? Yeah. 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 I wanted to ask y'all a question. Uh, it has been put out there many times, the statistics of black men and their role to spirituality, their relationship to spirituality and their lack of attendance mm-hmm. in Christian churches. So, I've heard a lot of pontificating of why that is. Um, I don't agree with most of it, <laughs> but why? where do Black men be at? Why are they not in church is my question. I mean, I can't really speak for all Black men. I can speak for me. Um, so I look at my community dynamics 
um not necessarily not just like where i live but like the people that i love on you know that that i interact with on a consistent basis the people who impact my life the people like who are there for me and vice versa right that that sort of community and if i cannot find a place of worship that will help lead me to love all of them better and they look differently some of them are disabled some of them are immigrants some of them are of different faiths some of them are of no faith if i cannot be in a place of worship that will help me um that will help to facilitate an an environment right um where i can love them better right to where my my wife who is a black woman doesn't feel like she has to be quiet and would be shamed because she got booty right and that's hard to hide um if i can't be in a place where my kids can be comfortable and be free to be kids and know that your kids make noise sometimes and no matter what you do like sometimes they just can't sit still and they just gonna make some noise sometimes and kids are gonna be kids like if if I can't be in a community where there's that grace extended and and there is uh you know we're led in those different ways like i it's it's tough for me to to bring my family to a place like so so me specifically i'm not in a in a place of worship because i haven't found a place that would lead in those places and i've been looking right i just that's why i'm not there um to answer to try to attempt to answer your question for black men i think that is complicated um I think that's really complicated uh, because I'm like, I, we know sometimes, you know, black men really be trying to uh, lean into the, you know, patriarchal system. Um, I, I, I know yeah. growing up, my dad didn't go very much because he worked. Right. Like he worked every other weekend. So like that was him not going. So I like, yeah, that's that's all I got on there. I think you're right in that complication factor. But two things I want to address here. Number one, I feel the same way about this particular question and this particular conversation as I do about conversations about black on black crime and that we are naming a phenomenon that is not exclusive to black people, just as majority of crimes among white people are committed by other white people it is not exclusive to the black community that men or that male participation is is lagging behind female participation if you go into a white church you're gonna find that most of the people there are women um and and it, it breaks down along very similar lines uh and I get uneasy because sometimes it seems as though people are trying to pathologize black men yet again when looking like, why aren't y'all in church? I seen y'all churches. Why, why aren't y'all in church? What, what are you doing? You know, um, and I think the reasons behind that are worth interrogating and maybe multifaceted in that um, in the way that leadership, submission, what have you is often preached in church. First of all, that particular brand of theology is very conflicting and unappealing if you're telling me that men are called to lead but then everybody in here is supposed to be submitted to this authority like which which one is it i can't submit to you and lead at the same time right like that's, that's it's a conflicting message to be preached and that would explain why part of why male participation is what it is in in churches of pretty much all demographics here in the west um that's just me back in the napkin oh, you're philosophizing fine. or whatever right but another thing that I struggle with when it comes to black men in particular, right? Is that as we're looking at liberation as our theme here, the black church has not often been a place of liberation for black people or black men in particular, quite the opposite. The church has been the locus of our subjugation and oppression. The church has been uh, the, the manufacturer, the, the sanctification of our, our, our of our bondage, right? The, the, the theological justification 
for a lot of this. And, and it's not like the Southern Baptist Convention is an easy target, but they weren't alone in this. They're just the only goofball still standing here with the same name they gave themselves when they started doing this stuff out loud. And when you look at that, there is a very good reason to be skeptical of the church, particularly when organizations like, like okay, I just named the SBC who apologized in 1995 for the role that they played in slavery and in the civil rights era, they had 130 years to say out loud, we got this wrong. But that was awkward because 100 years after the end of the civil war, they got civil rights wrong, right? There is every reason to be skeptical of the church when these are the stances that they're consistently taking mm-hmm. against people who look like you. Yeah, And so there's a reason that groups like the nation of islam have had success particularly among black men where the participation yeah. looks very different because oh you you see my plight you will affirm the reality of my oppression and you speak to to my dignity and it's the the same reason that groups like uh the black hebrew israelites and, and their various organizations and everything have found success among certain populations of black men because they are willing to acknowledge a reality and experiential truth yeah. that a lot of the church either tiptoes around or outright rejects and i think that that's something that we have to name in our current context yeah i'm glad that you named it that way i i think there when I think about this question of where where the black man's be, I I think first I have to say that all black men are not the same, and I need to say that because the way that people try to reach black men is very monolithic, and I think I think black men are spiritually curious. They do want to engage in healing works. They do want a place to call home. The church not being a home for Black men is distinct for many different types of Black men. And I can say personally that for those of us, because people will say these broad generalizations about churches are patriarchal, even Black spaces, and and men succeed there. I always want people to be specific because patriarchy hurts all of us, including black men. Some of us have gone in those spaces. And for those of us who, you know, I have a chronic pain condition that makes it very hard for me to sit through a whole service. I mean, um, that space isn't built for me and I'm a man, right? Those of us who are divesting from patriarchy and who are approaching a soft and attempting to erect a soft life and one that's generative Sometimes we don't find that connection in church, right? So you might go to church and it's all men on the staff, except for like the children's church leader is a woman. And I don't want to go there. Right? Like I don't find a home there, right? And so I want to dispel the myth that Black men are not spiritually hungry and that we aren't asking questions about the universe and our social location. There are a lot of us that are, and sometimes it's the negative cream that rises to the top. And uh, when I think about this, but some of us have been hurt in the church. Um, When I first started getting sick years ago, um, I say this often, suffering and being in a church space um, is worse. (laughs) I hate it. You know, I was suffering physically, and then in my mind, I was grieving uh, massive deaths, and church did not feel like a place that welcomed me, right? Um, And so I I see many Black men who are hurting emotionally or physically not find a place to rest in a church um, without being commodified. So let me add that part. Um, Um. when we do show up to those spaces, there's an expectation sometimes that we need to produce. Um, And if I'm gonna produce, I might as well go to work on Monday, right? (laughs) So some black men have found themselves in that, you know, maybe you're just a hurting brother and you're off the streets and someone uses you to be on the worship team. Um, That was me, (laughs) Um, but like, we need you to play these keys. 
wait, I kind of need y'all to minister to me. Okay, but can we do it after you uh, sing this song? Um, and many choose to leave. They don't. They don't want that. Yeah, um, I think it's interesting that you say that, Rob, because one of the things that I was like sitting there thinking about as I was listening to you is is how sometimes it just it's more of the same. Um, you know, a lot of times there's talk about like how black black men don't feel as though there's a space where they can be vulnerable, where they can work through their emotions, where where they feel heard or seen like in that. Right. Um, but then to come to church and to hear, you know, um, you know, your emotions or your experiences only matter in as much as they line up with the text. Right. So now I have to push how I feel aside and the things that I've been battling with. And and they have to match what I'm told that this book says. Um, and that's diminishing. Right. Like that's that's literally that that almost feels like in a way um, removing part of myself, uh, denying my own self wholeness, uh, which I think God would not want. Right. God leads us to wholeness. God. God is pro wholeness. And so I, I think that in and of itself could be another aspect and even kind of tying into what Trey was saying, like just not not being seen, not understanding the plight of like, hey, there is a struggle that black men face. There is a struggle that black women face. There is a struggle that black people face. And there is there is space for each one of these um, to be seen, to be heard, and to not have to diminish yourself or shrink yourself uh, in order to feel like you're accepted by God in this community and welcome in. Yeah, and to Trey's point earlier about the the nation of Islam and Black Hebrew Israelites, oh, they could be insufferable. The the latter. Listen, <laughs> Black Hebrew Israelites will take you on a, on a train. Um, um, and I think the beauty of their message is they do make black men feel powerful and heard and seen in ways that traditionally the church hasn't. Now, then they energize the, the incel part too, especially black Israelites, but yeah, yeah. there's like this, um, almost affinity space that's created, um, and I think that that's something that we're missing in the the church. Yeah, when we name it like that, Rob, as you just did, doubling back on the nation of Islam and the Black Hebrew Israelites, there's an uncomfortable truth that I cannot escape. And that these groups provide Black men a path to patriarchal power that they typically cannot find in the church. Now you're right. Um, and 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 that's basically what it is because for so many of us, liberation looks like the ability to exist and behave as a white man. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like our imagination has been so constrained that we can't envision a reality in which our liberation is bound up with the liberation of everybody, regardless of whether or not they, they live lifestyles that we would quote unquote affirm, right? Like we don't recognize that our liberation is bound up with the, the liberation of black women and the liber liberation of, of queer people. Right. Um, and, and, and all of that stuff. And so, the way that we've envisioned liberation is, oh, I want to be able to live like those people. Mm -hmm. Not recognizing that half the reason that we want liberation is because of the life they've been allowed to live at our expense, right? And so if somebody comes along and offers you a path to that, look, we can make our own communities where you will then have this power that becomes attractive. Yeah, very true. In a way. Right. And that also helps answer the question of why black men in, are not in the church. Right. Like that, that original question, whatever, oh, because the liberation that I seek is not attainable here. That role is occupied. Mm. Yeah. Uh, you know, as we get ready to wrap up, I have one question uh, floating at the top of my mind for us. What can the church be? 
like we've talked about what it is currently, what it has not been. Um, could almost do a whole nother episode on what it has not been and on church harm. Um, perhaps we shall. But what is possible? What can this church become? The church can be a safe place. It absolutely can be that. Has that's, it been that's that? A hard, that's a hard saying, but yeah, I'm yeah, trying to get you right. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> has it been that historically? No. And I do think that there have been examples of movements and, 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 and people who have been that, right? Like somebody um, erroneously stated to me that, oh, there was no church around in the antebellum period that uh, was abolitionist. And I'm like, oh, that's actually very factually incorrect, right? Like you had movements, the, the Shakers, the Quakers, um, and people who were active abolitionists. You had entire Black denominations who were around before the Southern Baptist Convention was even conceived of who, who, were, who were doing work in the area. Were they perfect? No, but that is to say that the imagination of some has always been able to outpace the majority of the church and that we can be a safe place where we are committed to standing for and with the people who are marginalized in our society, who are committed to providing for their needs, who are committed to not just accommodating them, but structuring ourselves around their realities to the extent that the prayer that Jesus instructs his disciples to play on earth as it is in heaven becomes our praxis. That this um, last thing, this new heaven and new earth, this, this new Jerusalem, whatever you deem it, this thing that we envision, that we can strive towards making that a reality in the here and now. That is a very possible thing. Um, the only thing standing between the church that's currently constructed and that possibility is the will and the desire to leave behind the things that keep us from being this safe place and to strive towards uh, getting rid of some of these weights that 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 keep us from from being that if i'm making any sense yeah um so <laughs> barring like drastic change i honestly am not sure that the church can be more than what it is um i think it requires a lot of change uh i recently heard someone say that like <laughs> the older people need to sit down um, and I think that's the kind of change, like, and not necessarily like go away, but just pass the torch. Um, I think there are, I think there is some evolving that needs to happen. Um, I, I feel like there's just a lot of um, concern for people not being in church and just trying to figure out ways to funnel them back into church instead of figuring out how church can adapt to accommodate and be more accepting and loving to those that have like disavowed themselves of, you know what I'm saying? Of, or just don't want to do anything with church. Um, I, I do have hope though, that, um, with some change, whether that be like structural, um, or anything that, um, the church can be what Jesus was, right. Which was a, a moving, um, healing, inclusive, loving, affirming place, a real, a true safe place for everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah but not without like some sort of change i think the church can be a great many things in my imaginings i think of it often and you know jesus said let the little children come unto me and uh in his life show that there is a place for those who are small who are considered weak in this world that there's a safe place with him, right? And I think the church can be that safe place for the curious, for the small. Um, it can be that. <laughs> um, 
I think uh, Jesus's life, we can be people of the resurrection. We can be people that model the resurrection and how we interact with those we consider other, with those who we consider dead. Um, we can be people of the resurrection to them. Um, it is possible. I really have to believe uh, that the blood of Jesus is uh, effectual enough for that. And I would love a day where the spiritually curious can come in and they're not indoctrinated with a, a million hatreds and bigotry, you know, related things that yes, they can Lord. do. You know, they can literally just come in and receive that nourishing uh, care, that nourishing treatment, that nourishing education without yes. de demonizing another, right? Without tearing down another. I do believe it's possible for churches to promote uh, an environment of questioning rather than uh, domination and fact-checking, right? Like in the worst ways, like if we as Christians went about the world asking questions in a spirit of curiosity more than trying to give people answers, I think our churches would grow. Um, yes. And promoting that type of environment in a church is so beautiful and healthy the type of space I want to be in. And lastly, I would say <laughs> for people who are weighed down in grief, who have pain in their body, I believe that the church could be more than what it is now. I believe that there would be on ramps of access <laughs> for um, those people and, we, and the church could be a place that does no harm. So that's my thought. Amen. Amen. Well, we did it. Let's continue the conversation, especially on Twitter. You know, we don't be on those other apps. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's continue this conversation on social media. Tell us what you your relationship is with the church. Add us on Twitter. Um, yeah. And if you're not in the tweets, you can also participate in the conversation on Patreon. Hey. Amen, hey. amen. We appreciate you rocking with us for another episode of Three Black Men. Here's the part of the show where we ask a favor from you. Now, earlier I mentioned a couple of ways that you can support us by joining our community over at patreon.com slash three black men. We have multi-tiered support options and you can get bonus content. If you don't want to do that, you can submit a one-time contribution by finding us on PayPal at 3blackmenpodcast at gmail.com. But we ain't here to tap your pockets. Here's a few ways that you can help us out without spending a single dime. You can stop what you're doing right here, right now, and make sure that you've left us a review and a rating. Don't just give us the five stars. Go ahead and write out how much you love this show and tell everybody about it. Do it on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you at. Make sure you leave that rating and a review, and that's going to help even more people join the fun over here. Thank you so much. I knew God loved you for some reason.